The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Wanted to start the show today by talking about the province's oil industry on a couple of different fronts. The Alberta government uh, announced today it will stop setting monthly oil production limits for producers by the end of the year. And this is going to allow producers to use available pipeline capacity and in hopes, you know, creating jobs. I also wanted to look at this with the American election just around the corner. There is concern what will happen to Keystone XL if Joe Biden becomes president. You might have heard his comments last night about transitioning away from oil uh, during the debate. You'll hear it coming up. And you'll remember in March, our province, Alberta, committed $7.5 billion to the project. Now, our first guest has some suggestions on how Alberta can sell the project to the Democrats if needed. Markham, Markham Hislop is the publisher and a journalist at Energy Media. He's also the author of the book, The New Alberta Advantage. Markham, welcome back to the show. Good afternoon, Jalen. Uh, Markham, let's start with this, uh, you know, uh, cutting the or, or um, allowing the production limits to, um, you know, move up. What does that mean? When we talk about stopping curtailment, what does that mean and what does that do for the industry? Well, your listeners will remember back in the fall of 2018, there was uh, more production coming out of Alberta then there was transportation capacity, which would be pipeline capacity and rail shipment. And so in uh, December of 2018, uh, then Premier Rachel Notley announced that the government would curtail production by the 195,000 barrels a day that uh, they were basically producing surplus. Uh, more than uh, transportation capacity, and then and in total it would be 325,000 barrels a day in order to draw down inventories, which had risen uh, far too uh, far too high. Mm-hmm. So that was in place all through uh, 2019, and then into 2020, the government had in, in, uh, intended to take that off at the end of this year. But then with the pandemic and the big drop in uh, global demand for oil, uh, we're now down from 380 barrels a day, which was the curtailment limit, and we're only producing 3.1 million barrels a day. So we're actually 700,000 barrels a day under the limit. And the government feels that at those levels, uh, there's, there's plenty of pipeline space to handle all of that production. And the government says that if things change, it expects that uh, things will be fine until next summer, maybe next fall. But it'll, it says it will closely monitor the situation. And anything, if anything unexpected happens, then it will look at bringing the, the uh, curtailment limit back. So I think this is uh, basically good news for most of the producers uh, in Alberta. kind of gets us back to the, the situation pre-curtailment. Uh, uh, Markham, uh, just this just popped into my head, and I was—I uh, know—I think you talked with Todd Hirsch from ATB Financial recently. I talked to Rob Roach from ATB when they put out their, you know, uh, look ahead to next year. And you know, it's still pretty tough looking for Alberta. But when you look on the oil front, I mean, obviously that plays a key role in in Alberta's prosperity. Those uh, those oil prices still kind of holding steady, and we know that budgets were set on what was it sixty or 
seventy dollars a barrel. When when you were when you were looking at that and 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 when we when we look ahead to next year and the next couple of years and we see that the price of a barrel of oil what's sitting around forty dollars. What does that what does that mean for this province moving forward? And and and, and do you still believe that that's where we're going to be for the next little bit when it comes to that price per barrel? The, prior to the pandemic, uh, the Western Canada select prices were averaging around $40 a barrel, which is down from the 45-ish to 50 uh, per, uh, in the year previous. Uh, now we're after you know there's a big uh, drop in price uh, early a bit after the pandemic set in, and now we're back to about $30 a barrel, mm. and. You know, you mentioned what the, the government had uh, budgeted for, and so obviously that'll there'll be less revenue. The What's going to happen uh, going forward, uh, analysts are kind of split on that, because on the one hand, the you know, there's all kinds of reason to believe that uh, demand will be down uh, significantly because uh, airline travel is not coming back, uh, personal travel was coming back but now seems to me look, looks like it's going to fall again because of the second wave of the pandemic so there's all those kinds of uncertainties but it's also true that there's been an underinvestment in oil production for uh, actually a number of years now and it may very well be that supply will drop more than we had anticipated which will tend to uh, tend to keep prices either stable or even maybe rise a bit so you know, for the economists that I've interviewed, uh, everybody's got their pet theory. But I think the uh, the bottom line is that we can expect uncertainty and still some volatility. All right. I want to get to, um, you know, what could happen in the next couple of, of weeks. Uh, we know the presidential election in the U.S. coming up on November 3rd. Uh, Joe Biden has said that he intends to cancel the permit for Keystone XL if he becomes president last night on the debate. Uh, during the debate, he said this. False. Would you close down the oil industry? I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would transition. That is a big statement That's a because big statement. I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. Oh, I see. And here's the deal. But That's a big statement. That. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time, over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry. I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. Ooh. He won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas, excuse me, to, the, to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. So that was Joe Biden uh, last night, uh, Markham. Today, two Democrat senators from New Mexico, Oklahoma, coming out swinging, saying that they are going to fight. Uh, they will take a stand against the party to continue to fight for the oil industries in, in their states. Um, the premier, Alberta, has a big stake, of course, in, in, in Keystone XL. We talked about it off the top. The premier uh, desperately needs a win on this one. And you wrote an article not too long ago called How to Sell Keystone XL sell to Joe Biden. And I wanted to get into that. Um, yeah. To put it mildly, the premier needs a win on this, doesn't he? Well, he really does, in particular because the, the premier has committed the Alberta government to $7.5 billion Canadian funding for the, for the project because, as he said, uh, the premier did, uh, the project couldn't attract a single private uh, financer or private investor. So uh, you'll remember 
back prior to 2015, Keystone XL was extremely controversial. And the Obama administration uh, was dithering on it, and it, they had, there was a presidential permit in place. And the Harper government, of which Jason Kenney was a cabinet member at that time, took the strategy that they were going to lobby hard, and they did it around investment and jobs. You know, you have to approve this project because, you know, we need the jobs both in Canada and the U.S. And then, of course, in September of 2015, President Obama uh, canceled the presidential permit and basically uh, took it off the table until President Trump came, uh, was elected. And then in March of 2017, he reapproved that presidential permit. So my take on this, Jalen, is that uh, the there are stories from the uh, pre-20, uh, pre-cancellation where Canadian cabinet ministers and, and lobbyists would descend on Washington to lobby and congressmen and senators would flee from them. They were so tired of, this, of, the, of the lobbying and so tired of the political pressure that, that Canada was putting on them over Keystone itself. And it seems that the premier and the industry are now advocating for exactly that same failed strategy. So what I did is I said, maybe the best way to persuade a President Biden, if, he, if the Democrats win, is to appeal to their self-interest. And I had three points uh, that I thought we could craft a narrative around. So the first one is uh, the tight oil, the heavy crude oil markets in the U.S. Gulf Coast, which is the biggest heavy crude refining center in the world, is actually really tight right now because thanks to American sanctions on Venezuela, their oil production has fallen from you know 3 million barrels a day. It's down now to under 400,000 barrels a day. And, and that's oil that those refineries, those Texas refineries have to replace. Canada is the logical uh, producer to send, uh, to, su to supply that reliable, low cost. So that's a very good opportunity for us. And, and those refineries need it. And, you know, there's a good argument to Biden that if, you, if they don't have it, they're going to have to pay more somewhere else. And then that'll mean gas prices will rise. And we all know how American <laughs> presidents feel about high gas prices. So the second thing was, and I think this is really uh, something that Alberta has got to promote. Alberta Innovates, which is the provincial innovation agency, has been working for the last three or four years on bitumen beyond combustion, which basically they're, they're trying to find a way to turn bitumen into carbon fiber. And I've interviewed a number of their managers and scientists, and they think that they're about five to seven years away. I've interviewed the VP of sales for a company called Zoltec, which is one of the big American carbon fiber manufacturers. He thinks that uh, Alberta can become a center of, of low-cost uh, carbon fiber manufacturing at, at about half the cost, actually, that uh, carbon fiber currently goes for. And what industry in the United States could most <laughs> use carbon fiber? The automotive industry. Because yeah, they're and shifting. It's, Sorry? Yeah, they're, shift, they're shifting to electric, aren't they? Exactly. And the more weight you can take out of an electric vehicle, the farther you're going, the more range you're going mm. to have. So the, the access to cheap, uh, high-quality carbon fiber for the North American automotive industry could be a huge competitive advantage for Biden, who's looking to promote that very industry, expand that very industry. 
And All right, that's those. But that's part two. Part tip number three, or suggesting suggestion number three. I'm I'm fascinated. I really am fascinated with. And I need to take a break here, Markham. So I'm going to get you to hold on. But when we come back, Markham will tell you number three. His his third idea on how to sell Keystone XL to Joe Biden. And uh, there's there's a couple of things here. I think number three is very interesting, but he's also suggesting getting someone involved to help make the pitch that you might not, mm, you might not think. All right, let's get back to it. So if Joe Biden, uh, if Joe Biden becomes president uh, on November 3rd, uh, he has said that he intends to cancel the permit for Keystone XL. You know that Alberta committed a huge chunk of change for this project a couple of months ago. Markham Hislop is uh, the publisher of Energy Media. Joining us this afternoon, he wrote an article recently called How to Sell the Keystone XL Pipeline to Joe Biden. We touched on the first two points. Number three, Markham, you say that we need to do a better job at selling the oil sands efforts to uh, to curb emissions. But you say there's some caveats there. Can you go into that for us? Sure. Um, your listeners need to understand that the oil sands, uh, the emissions intensity of bitumen in the Alberta oil sands is not consistent. There are older projects that have very, very high emissions intensity scores in the 200 uh, kilograms of CO2 equivalent per barrel. It's very, very high. But then you have the new, some of the newer projects, the mines, that are down around 40 uh, kilograms of CO2 equivalent per barrel. And that is ex- ex- actually the same carbon intensity as the average U.S. crude oil, uh, a barrel of crude oil. And so the and the industry and government also have plans in place that over the next uh, 10 years, they're going to be bringing down the carbon intensity of those barrels even further. So the government could go to uh, Biden and say, look, uh, we are the only jurisdiction in the world that is actively decarbonizing its heavy crude. And that's 10 million barrels a day of production. And we're the only ones. Furthermore, let's just before the uh, the break, we talked about uh, using bitumen for making carbon fiber. Well, mm-hmm. I don't know if this could be done, but it'd be interesting to see if it could, Jalen. What if the government were to say, we'll take the most carbon-intense bitumen and divert it to carbon fiber production, because that's actually an mm-hmm. advantage uh, for that, and then we'll only ship on the Keystone XL pipeline that bitumen, which is very low emissions intense and no different than any of the crude that's produced in the, in the United States. That seems to me to actually be a fairly powerful argument when you put it all together uh, in favor of the pipeline. And it could give Biden the cover he needs to say, we have new information that's been provided by Alberta and Canada. We now can change our mind and and, uh, let that presidential permit stand. And before I ha- have to let you go, Markham, I, I thought this end part uh, was fascinating to your to your article. You have said, don't leave Keystone XL to Jason Kenney and the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers. You said, quote, they're truly awful at telling their own stories. Uh, and you said, perhaps it's time to enlist the prime minister to intercede in case Biden becomes prime minister or uh, president. And I can just hear uh, Albertans' heads across the province exploding as I said those words. Why Trudeau? 
Yeah, I had that image when I wrote it, actually. Uh, which was, <laughs> it was very entertaining. But one of the things that Justin Trudeau is not given enough credit for is the man can cut a deal. He cut a deal with Rachel Notley to get two pipelines done. He's cut a deal. He's cut deals with Jason Kenney on the methane emission regulations, on the large emitter carbon tax regulations. He's cut other deals around uh, legislation and projects. And I think he could sit across from Biden. They're both see themselves as climate warriors, as, you know, as acting on climate. I think he could cut this deal. And I, huh. and I don't think Jason, Jason Kenney is more the, you know, pugnacious, you know, I'm going to fight for you kind of, whereas Trudeau has a different approach to these things and he's a deal cutter. And I that think would in this that would exactly. require the premier asking help, asking for help from from uh, from Prime Minister uh, from the Prime Minister who he has just had in his his target for for you know years now. I don't think I don't think Kenny uh, I don't think Trudeau needs Kenny to ask for that help. I think Trudeau uh, could take this initiative on it. He could do do it on his own initiative because this is at the end of the day it's a federal project because it crosses an international border it's not required kenny doesn't have to ask Trudeau could do it on his own and i think somebody should plant the uh, the bug in his ear do you think he would want to though given his you talk about the commitment to climate change all that sort of thing do you think he would want to but bundle bundle it up with the other three points that mm. i mentioned as part of a new narrative now i think trudeau will get behind it i think it it fits with uh with trudeau's climate narrative actually Interesting stuff, Markham. I like the way you think. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure.